Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit this evening. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a full-service intellectual property law firm. And Passage to Profit is all about inventors, entrepreneurs, and the intellectual property that they need to make their businesses thrive. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not a lawyer, but I do work at Gearhart Law, and I do interact with a lot of entrepreneurs, and this is our space, and we love it. What are we going to talk about today? Well, you introduce IP in the news. I get to introduce IP in the news. Okay, so our first case is about a COVID-related invention. It was funny because we were talking before the show about COVID inventions and how important they are. One of our guests was mentioning that, you know, we could have some good news about that. And really, since the COVID epidemic has exploded, so has innovation around COVID, right? Absolutely. So this is a very interesting though case about how intellectual property can affect the value of a company. There was a company and where they came up with these names, I'll, I'll never know because biotechs pick the worst names ever, but this is Arbutus. <laughs> Arbutus, right? Yes. Anyway, it's a difficult name, but regardless, they're a small biotech company that has had this patent for a number of years. You know this. what the patent was on? It was a technology that can be used to deliver messenger RNA to a patient's cells. And if you have looked at any of the science around COVID, it's this whole RNA thing, which is so like DNA, but not exactly. So they had a patent that they had developed and been using for a long time. And what had happened was that they had licensed this technology to another company that licensed it to Moderna. And Moderna is the company that's getting a lot of press right now because they have the secret sauce for the vaccine and so they're in the process of commercializing it and having samples built, and hopefully it's one of the solutions, right? Moderna decided that they were going to try to get Arbutus's patent invalidated in the USPTO patent system. So that's kind of a mean thing to do to somebody. Yeah, and we don't like your patent. We're just going to get rid of it, right? Yeah, so we're going to say you can't have the patent so that we can go ahead and have the technology. But... But what happened? The U.S. Patent Trademark Office Patent Trial and Appeal Board ruled for Arbutus. So Moderna doesn't get to just take what they want. Arbutus gets to get money for this patent they've been having and using for a long time. So patents are important, especially in biotech, but the stock market took notice. After the ruling, Arbutus's stock shot dramatically higher. 102% higher after Friday the versus Wednesday. So it doubled in price. And Moderna's stock has dropped by 10%, shaving a few billion off its market cap, by the way. So patents are the lifeblood of the biotech industry. 10% drop is huge. But I do want to give credit to the person who wrote this article. It was Taylor Carmichael, TMF St. Croix. Thank you, Taylor, because that was very interesting. And so you never know where that's going to go, but uh, there is a lot of money in patents if you have the right ones. Yeah, and in life science companies, a lot of these companies only have like four or five people. They're really smart. And so fortunately, the patent holder had a good patent team that put together a good patent and it withstood the challenge and you know they're making out because of it. The companies usually cooperate, especially in a pandemic. You would not expect them to deny a license. So I'm, I'm sure the whole thing will move forward and they'll work something out. On to our next thing. <laughs> So this is Patent Palooza. You get to introduce this one. This is the Patent Palooza. So you know I love Apple and all their patents. And uh, this is an Apple computer we're taping on. I am a big Star Trek fan. Star Wars too, but Apple's more like Star Trek because they're the future. Star Wars was another galaxy far, far away, long, long ago. (laughs) Star Trek is our world in the future. Um, Apple's really become an innovation company along with being a consumer products company. But now they are developing this headband that can pipe sound directly into your skull through your bones. Without drilling any holes? <laughs> Without drilling any holes. Do you want to describe what it, how it works? Okay, so it's like, well, I'm looking at a picture here. So it's, it's, it's a band that goes around the back of your head, and it vibrates for lower frequencies. And then there's a little ear foam for higher frequencies, because I guess your bones can only receive low frequency signals. And then the high frequency signals are through like an earbud contraption. So I'm just waiting for this to come out because I'm hoping that I can get some sort of head massage or something like this from the vibrating. <laughs> well, well as, so yeah, so the author of this was Hartley Charlton. And as Mr. Charlton points out, Apple does not always develop all the products that it gets patents for. That's right. But 
I imagine this one is coming. We're getting closer and closer to Star Trek all the time. Absolutely. And you know, this is all he does is write a blog about Apple patents. So he's a fanatic and obviously has plenty of time on his hands. But congratulations to him for bringing this to our attention. You're listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WR710. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I am really excited about our next guest, and I never, ever really thought that this would be happening on our show. So I am here to introduce Kevin Venardos, who is an online circus ringmaster. And let me just read some of the quotes that we've gotten from his website from some of his fans. He says, it's part traditional circus, part classic vaudeville, and part Cirque du Soleil. You have to experience the circus. And another fan says, fan-freaking-fantastic, young, hip, and rock and roll, wrapped in tradition with the sweet smell of fresh popcorn. Don't blow it off. Go today. So So that was when people could go. But now Kevin's figured out a way to bring it to people through live streaming. Amazing the ingenuity that comes out of this. This circus has been, since I was 22 years old, I had a a musical theater degree in, and I was living in New York trying to find somebody to pay me to sing and dance. And I got a job as the ringmaster of the Ringling Brothers Circus, totally out of left field. It was an amazing adventure and opened up my whole life. Fast forward many years and many different companies I worked for. In 2014, I started what was a small show. Over the last six years, we built it into a nationally touring show, which is a huge thing. And it's uh, it's really just a collection of relationships we've built with communities and venues. This year, we were planning to do 30 different venues for 45 weeks and then enter COVID-19 in March and everything stopped. And we were like, well, we don't know what to do. We're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. We hoped it was going to be a couple of weeks or a month and then a couple of months and now we are where we are. And so because we could not present the show in the way we wanted to, we wanted to do something and our business, like others, we still have notes to pay if we're not generating revenue. So we've got to find a way to keep generating revenue. And so we started with our first live stream. And and for sure it was a help because we had many people all across the country who actually physically come to see us. We had an audience people we'd made an emotional connection with by presenting this magical circus in their homes. So they were among the first ones, certainly that we were marketing to because we had their emails and they knew us and they wanted to support us and then and donate to. But over the last several months now, we have really grown that audience and many of the people who are watching and tuning and paying money to see a live circus performance are people that have never seen it, which is so, so exciting because that means it's, it's scalable. It's something we can continue to grow without needing to get in front of them to convince them that we're something that's uh, could justify a purchase of a ticket. Kevin, can I ask, do you have live animals during the show? It depends on what you think about my human performers. Uh, all of them happen to be humans. So there are no animal performers here. Uh, it's just my style. And, and I also happen to think it's the future of the American circus. And I want to be a part of the future. So, so that's why. Yeah, what does your circus look like? Is it people jumping around and flying through the air and stuff like that? Well, that's a fine description in, in some ways, I suppose. I have a little, well, the, the, the tent in the live show, it's a red and white striped tent that seats about 400 people. And to, to some people, that sounds like a lot of people. 
a circus tent, in my experience, either an arena with 20,000 people or maybe 18, 2,000 people in a circus tent, that's more like the, the world that I kind of grew up in seeing a circus. My show is very intimate. It wants to be intimate. And I believe that I started the business this way, not really because I had necessarily that vision yet. It was more that I didn't have much money and it was the biggest tent that I thought that I could afford. <laughs> and, uh, and also it's much easier to sell tickets to a circus when your show is sold out. Very and when you have fewer seats inside that tent, you get sold out a lot more easily. And it just helps that narrative, which I truly believe in the product we make that it's exceptional. It certainly strives to present something exceptional. It strives to dare to do something that is bigger than what we are at the moment. So Kevin, I have to jump in here, but I have to tell a personal story. So my dad, who was born in 1920, when he was 18, he actually ran away and joined the circus. And I asked him, well, what did you do for those years? And he said, well, basically, I cleaned up after the elephants. And so after a couple of years of that, World War II started, and he decided to enlist, I guess, because cleaning up after the elephants was worse than actually being in World War II. So... Uh, <laughs> I happen to have met a lot of people that really love that way of life. It's for you or it's not for you. It's definitely a way of life living at the circus, whether with elephants or even just living this nomadic life where we're picking up the way that we had been doing it. Every two weeks, we all pick up the tent. By the way, my crew is about 15 people, 12 of which are actually on the road with me. The others off in cyberspace elsewhere. But we, that group of people, are the ones who not only are performers and work at the concessions and work at the front of house, we, all of us, all of us put that tent up and all of us take the tent down and move it to the next place. So that is one of the ways that we've been able to navigate this time and grow this business because we keep our costs in, in a certain place and everyone is doing three or four different jobs. So that's been a, a definitely a big part of the model. That's, that's classic circus though. Definitely. Awesome. Well, are you going to do another live stream? We are. We, we have another one that's September 5th, actually, and we're going to keep moving forward with at least one a month. Always a new, fresh, never before seen on the live stream lineup of artists. This time I'm in the Pacific Northwest right now. So a lot of wonderful artists from the Seattle area are being featured. So definitely tune in. You're going to see something amazing. Okay. And you can get tickets at Venardo's. V-E-N-A-R-D-O circus.com. So we have to go to a break right now. You're listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WR710 with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Kevin Bernardo, the Circus Ringmaster. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we just had an interesting discussion with a circus ringmaster. So if you missed it, listen to our podcast tomorrow. And now we are on to somebody who has a fascinating podcast. What he does is really interesting. His name is Robert Bear, and he has Invention Stories. Hi, Robert. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, tell us about your podcast and how you run it and how you get people. Well, it's uh, called the Invention Stories podcast, and we share the story the inventor goes on since having the idea. I started off like 2007, 2008, wanting to become an inventor and I created a product and it didn't really work. And uh, I mean, if you're going to spend your time and your money and your effort and you have a 2% chance of being successful, I'd rather do something else. So I started a little website and it had a weird name, Invention Exposure. And uh, people would ask me, well, what's Invention Exposure? And when I tried to explain it to them, I'd watch their eyes glaze over. And I tried to do six different things, you know, like I had a forum <laughs> and this and that. And I did none of them well. But I had this little part of it called My Invention Story 
which I did like. And every, the only people that gave me feedback said, hey, I like that. And I thought, you know what? I think that's what I'm going to run with. And uh, I said, invention stories, you know, if I'm going to be successful, what gives me the best chance of being successful? I think it's by listening to the true stories with all the ups and downs, the good and the bad of actual inventors who have taken the journey, who have tried to turn their idea into a, into a product. First, I bought inventionstories.com because I thought, you know, that's the greatest name ever. I mean, I had to buy it from a cyber squatter, but you know, when you, when you look at inventionstories.com, you don't have to wonder what it's about. I started collecting stories on the web under the about us. I ran dry and they weren't very good stories to begin with. Then I like would uh, ask people to write their stories and send them to me. And out of like 20, I'd get like a list of 20 of inventors and their email addresses and I'd send them out. And maybe two out of the 20 would even respond back to me like, who are you anyway? And then maybe one would actually write it. And then I'd post it. And finally, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to contact these people. And this is crazy, Elizabeth and Richard. But I would actually ask them if I interview them. And most would say yes, because they like being interviewed. Nobody wants to write their own stories or anything, you know? And so I would call them and I'd record our conversations together and then I would type it out and I don't like typing. I'm not that good of a writer and I would do, I did it for like over a hundred stories. I got to the point where I said to myself, you know what, this isn't working. I'm tired of typing this out. I noticed podcasting was coming on. I said, you know, maybe I'll just interview them and put them on the podcast. I started the Invention Stories podcast. I started off with 10 stories right off the bat, boom, 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 because that's what they said you had to do when you watched a YouTube video about how to launch a series. And so I did 10 in 10 days. Then I started doing them two twice a week. Then I started doing them once a week. And then for the last two years, I've done them once every two weeks. And the numbers have just been growing. I can't tell you how many people have told me they want to be on the podcast. We have a list of over 80 that I know of. So when I got to the 100th episode on December 31st, I kind of took a break. And uh, actually, today is the first day of season two. What is the format like for your show and what networks are you affiliated with? iTunes, uh, Spotify, where, I mean, you just kind of put it up there. All of a sudden you notice you're on like 30 different platforms, but you know, I just essentially asked the who, what, when, where, why about it from the idea to wherever you are today. And then uh, we go on the journey and I, I look for the feel of what they're enthusiastic or excited about. And I go in that direction. So really quick, what's your long-term plan for the show and the growth of the show? I just treat each individual one like it's a piece of art and I'm trying to create and make as beautiful as I can and I put it out there. That's really great. Robert, so what is your favorite story? What is your favorite inventor story? Well, I, I think it had to be Russie Coy Jones because she battles Parkinson's disease and cancer and she created Reliolite. And I mean, the whole story is just a beautiful story. Uh, you know, she's taking care of her dad who was suffering from COPD and he fell in the middle of a blackout. And, and it's like, wow. And you know, Robert, she came on our show. She must have come through you. We met her in person. She is truly an amazing person. So thank you for that referral. Uh, she was great on Passage to Profit. But I want to know, Kevin, do you have any questions or anything you'd like to ask Robert? I listened to him just now. Hi, Robert. I listened to you talking about your vision for the future when you were asked about it and how you took it in a different direction, and like, like an artist. Do you want it to be around the podcast in five years or 10 years? Is it possible that if you weren't around, that it could continue? Well, it doesn't have to be me. In fact, uh, I know that we have similar shows and I mean, you, I, the list goes on and on. There's a number of them. There weren't these kinds of things when I started and that was sort of my goal is vendors go there and they try to solve it against long odds, but they, they've got an idea in their head. It's a dream, it's a vision. And I wanna make this a reality. We should have statues to inventors, really. And it's a shame that we don't. I, I totally agree with you. And, and I wanna thank you for your contribution to be able to tell those stories because it's programs like yours and Passage to Profit that are giving inventors and creatives the opportunity, especially during quarantine, to have a platform. And I will say and speak on behalf of iHeart that for the past several years that Passage to Profit has been on our network, you know, it's just been a blessing to have this type of content and have access to all these creatives out here. So keep up the good work and we appreciate what you're doing. Marketing is one of the hardest parts of an entrepreneur's job and you really gave them a platform to start their marketing from. And I think that's great. I did want to also say that we're kindred spirits in that respect. Part of the reason we started the show was because we wanted to give opportunities to entrepreneurs 
who might not otherwise get opportunities for publicity and to showcase some of the really great ideas and great efforts. And Gerhardt Law is also part of that. I had a corporate job with a very large company, very responsible position. I felt like my life would be better spent trying to help entrepreneurs succeed. And so that is why we're here. I think we're all on the same wavelength with the same mission. I just want to say thanks for presenting your point of view. And we need to take a break right now. So we'll be back right after this announcement. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a toz.com inventing a to z.com email me lisa at inventing a to z.com treat yourself to a day chock full of networking education music shopping and fun go to my website inventing a toz.com now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart our special guests this evening robert bear and kevin bernardos and his fantastic online circus coach kenya we're here for cultivate who are we talking about this week we're talking about iron mike tyson so for those of you not familiar with mike tyson he was the heavyweight champion of the world at one point and had a very, I would say, erratic boxing career um, and went through a lot of different things. But recently, I would say recently, the past few years, he's really gotten it together. And I've been admiring what he's been doing in the podcast space as well. If you're not familiar with his podcast, he's got a very successful podcast called Hot Boxing that he hosts every single week. He has all these different people that he brings on and has these conversations with. And in the invention and entrepreneur space, he's also been really heavily involved with cannabinol, which is a CBD oil. And one of the things that he struggled with was drug abuse for a very long time and has recently taken a holistic approach to helping athletes deal with pain um, and so on and so forth without prescription drugs. So he actually has a whole ranch that he's invested in and a whole product line of oils that he has released and been working on to really help people in the athletic space holistically deal with pain um, and so on and so forth. So he's really flipped his, you know, tragedy to triumph for sure when it comes to being creative and and leveraging a space that once was troublesome for him. Building a brand, all the things like uh, all the tattoos and going to prison. I mean, I'm not really sure I would do that to build my brand personally. But, well, yeah. but I, I will tell you this though, I think that helps your brand story because I think in a, in, a, in a world now where we look for authenticity and we look for real stories from real people, I think people are over at the jaded celebrity superficial thing and they really want to connect with real stories and real people. So. Sometimes I think you can use those bad parts to build your brand story, as long as it ends up good in the end and you're still not going to jail. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't doing that to build his brand. No, no, no. And, you know, and he has a really great biography, if you get a chance to watch it. You know, he had some not so good people around him early on in his career. I mean, he was a young African-American male who had come out of a very destitute situation and got some really not good people around him when he got some money. So it's like there was a combination of coming from a troubled childhood, being around people who weren't so good for you, mixed with a combination of drugs and other things that are going on. So I, I'm not defending him, but sometimes you become a product of your environment. But one of the things that I'll say for him is the fact that he was really able to turn things around when people wrote him off and discounted him. And he had no money at one point. I mean, he went from being one of the highest paid athletes in the world to having like no money. So to be able to kind of come from that and build, I mean, his podcast is doing phenomenal. And I think one of the reasons it does so well is because he's really able to connect with people on a very grassroots level and, and people get him because 
he's experienced a lot. It's kind of hard to talk to people that are perfect and have had perfect lives. <laughs> oh my God, you're talking to one of them, right? So, you know, I think we've all had our journeys and our, our trials and tribulations. I think it's what you do with them in the end and how you use them to help other people is really the purpose of them is, you know, as long as you don't stay in that rut, Right. You know, if you can turn the rut around and make it work for yourself, you know, sky's the limit. And the reason, one of the reasons why I thought he'd be great to talk about too, is he's actually going to be fighting Roy Jones Jr. So he's doing an exhibition fight with Roy Jones Jr. They never got to fight ever in their career. I don't know why that didn't happen, but um, they're going to be fighting. I think it's September 12th in Las Vegas. So that is one of the bigger anticipated matches that's going to be coming up. If you're boxing fans out there, they're going to be fighting and it's going to be interesting. So I actually was talking to Roy Jones Jr.'s publicist yesterday and about kind of the buzz that's been around this whole thing. And it's going to be a really exciting fight. It's going to be definitely worth tuning in for. Great. Well, talk about turning your life around. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You, you won't watch the fight. Yeah, I'm not but really into men bashing that. <laughs> I don't mind. I kind of like it, but it looks like... You know, it's funny because I asked voice people, I'm like, is it going to be like a fight fight? Are they going to be like really, you know, and, and he just kind of like, you know, they're men and they have egos. So, you know, it's definitely going to be some sort of fight. It's definitely going to be worth watching. I'll be tuning in just for some entertainment. But, you know, it's good to see Mike Tyson back. Sounds like he's doing some positive stuff and his head is in the right place. Where's his podcast being broadcast, you know? I believe it's on iHeart. And I think he might be on Spotify as well. It's called Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. He has a co-host. They get some really cool people that come on there. And he's actually a really great interview. He has some really great questions. Maybe his part of his calling in life was this too. Boxing, like any other sport, is entertainment. There's a lot of pageantry and a lot of buildup. It, it is, you know, and, and a lot of it is a lot of hype. But um, I think he was from the era where like boxing was like boxing and it was like less superficial. But I'm excited to see the training that comes out of this and how he mentally prepares himself because he hasn't fought in a very long time. Thank you very much for that, Kenya. Next is Elizabeth and her soliloquy on Fireside. (laughs) (laughs) So people have been listening, you know, that I started right before COVID, started a video directory of small businesses. And what I was doing, kind of like what Robert does, I was interviewing business owners, some entrepreneurs, but some just like ongoing businesses. I started out, the idea was it was going to be like 30 seconds and we were going to be done and they were just going to be in this directory and people were going to go boom, 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 boom. But people love to talk about their businesses and I'm not sure they get a chance to do it as often as they'd like, right, Robert? And so what it has turned into is almost a storytelling site. I let people go as long as they want, well, within reason, right? So like about 10, 15 minutes. So the machine runs out of tape. Yeah. And we really talk about their business and a little bit about themselves and what motivated them. What I find the most fascinating, I probably have five or six business coaches on the site right now. Every single one of them do things differently. Like Robert, and we were saying like, we're both doing kind of the same thing, but we're bringing inventors onto the media, but we do it different. And so you put your own little twist on it. So I am having just a blast with this. I'm getting people on there I've never met before that just find out about it and want to come on. So very much fun and very cool. It's a great name, too. I love the name. It's called Fireside Directory because it's supposed to be like a fireside chat. And Kenya helped with the logo, didn't she? Kenya did the logo. Not really. Elizabeth had it all together and she just asked me to tweak some stuff. She had it done. This radio show was totally Kenya's idea, too. But anyway, yeah, Kenya helped a lot the logo and I'm having fun with it and it's growing every day. Good news all around. So we'll be back right after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. 
Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And if you missed the first part of the show, I got to tell you, it was pretty entertaining in a lot of ways. It'll be on our podcast tomorrow, so you can find our podcast on iHeart. Now I would like to introduce a presenter, and her name is Deepa Radhakrishnan, and she has a really fantastic product. Welcome, Deepa. Tell us about it. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, so my name is Deepa Radhakrishnan. I'm the founder of my eyelash brand, Deepa Lashes. We are 100% vegan and cruelty-free brand. We started in 2017 in Los Angeles. And actually in 2018, we became recognized by PETA as the first luxury brand that is 100% vegan and cruelty-free. So we became a brand partner of PETA's in 2018. I started my business because I've been an eyelash wearer my whole life, starting when I was an undergrad at the University of Southern California and just being an LA native, you know, living my life here, I've always had a need to be glam. And eyelashes are a super easy way to add a little extra glamour into your daily routine. And I've been aware of the luxury high-end lashes for most of my life because they're reusable, they're durable, and actually their cost per wear is way better because the disposable ones that you buy at the drugstore are much more expensive for a one-time use. So knowing this, I've been wearing lashes for years and I started researching what these products were made of and why they were so durable and reusable. And I discovered that they're mostly made of mink fur. And so I started looking into these mink farms and the animals and all that. And I found out they're in extremely inhumane conditions, treated very poorly. The animals are often diseased and it's just awful conditions. Um, a lot of them have psychological problems because they're in cages all day and cramped and they're malnourished and there's a lot of cannibalism. And anyways, it's, it's terrible. And it just didn't sit well with me anymore. And I wasn't like, okay, I cannot support this industry any longer. So I've actually been in the beauty industry on the brand side and corporate side for over 10 years. And after getting my MBA in luxury goods management and working in beauty, I said, okay, you know what? I know how to launch a product. I know how to develop a brand and I know how to bring the luxury aspect. So I'm going to create my own luxury lash brand and it's going to be vegan and let's, you know, close these mink farms down. So that's how I started my business in 2017. And we're on a mission to basically shut down these mink farms. My product mimics the look and feel of mink. They're just as lightweight, they're reusable, and you honestly can't tell the difference. They're super fluffy and natural looking. As a minority business, owner. Inclusivity is extremely important to me. So I also developed my brand to be basically catering to all races, ethnicities, and genders. So every single pair of lashes on my website is for essentially every eye shape. Service is also a very core focus of my brand. So that was from day one, a mission to give back and be a very socially responsible company. Over the past few years, I've worked with the American Red Cross and Alopecia Foundation. And most recently, in light of the fight against racism, and uh, social injustice that's been going on. I launched a style called 2020 just two months ago where 100% of profits goes to the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition to basically create care packages for COVID-19 for Black trans people in need so we can give them antibacterial products. That is wonderful. You really are socially conscious. Mm -hmm. And I know we have a few animal lovers on here today. Yeah. I just think what you're doing is fantastic, Deepa. Thank you. I just have a question. What are these lashes made from then? So they're made of a synthetic fiber that basically looks like mink fur, and it's kind of like a silk blend material. I love lashes. I wear lashes every day. One of the things I was going to ask you, though, did you see an uptick in sales during COVID? Because I felt like people weren't going out and getting them put on. So like, I certainly was trying all different brands from home and yeah. trying to find the right one. You know, I did. Initially, I definitely saw an uptick um, for two reasons. One is the lash salons for the semi-permanent lashes were closed. So this is kind of the next best alternative to do them at home. And also on Zoom meetings and Zoom calls, you know, lashes is one of the best ways besides lipstick, I think, to kind of make your face look bright and awake um, in meetings and on calls with your friends. So I definitely saw an uptick uh, due to both of those reasons. I'm good at the single ones, but I'm not a master of the strip ones. They're hard for me. I don't know why. Oh, I'll teach you. It's very simple. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your market plan going forward now? How do you plan to spread the word? Right now, I'm really, like I said, focusing on social issues. So this year, right now, my current focus is this 2020 lash for 
the Black Trans Group. And I am launching a new product in September. So we'll let you know when I release it as kind of a next phase. And it's very appropriate for this world we're living in for video conferencing and happy hours with your friends and all that virtually. Um, so it's very focused on that. Has it ever been a fashion to like wear colored eyelashes? Yeah. It seems like people color their hair, right? Oh my God. My grandma used to do the colored mascara, which, mm -hmm. but it was really chunky. So like she'd have these lashes with these chunks of green <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know, that definitely comes in and out of style. I mean, lashes is one of, it's been around for decades. And over the years, there's definitely been colored lashes that come in and out. So did you ever think of doing a line that like mimics the Audrey Hepburns and the Marilyn Monroe? And like lashes were a big thing back then. And they yeah. were wearing lashes. People didn't realize those were not their eyelashes. I mean, I think of even Lucille Ball, right? Yeah. She was iconic for wearing her lashes and she didn't go anywhere without them. So I think that'd be so cool to do like a Hollywood glam type of line. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. You mentioned Lucille Ball because growing up, like I Love Lucy is my favorite show and that's what inspired me as a young girl to like become obsessed with lashes. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my content on my social and for my website is very classic. It's very focused on old Hollywood, old glamour because that really is the inspiration for my brand and you know, these classic looks that are just completely timeless. You know, I just wondered if uh, it seems like mostly it's women that wear lashes and maybe the men wear them as actors or on stage. But have you ever considered getting, you know, enlarging your market share? Yeah, I actually, so I do have some men that wear my lashes. I've had two photo shoots as well with men. I just did another one last week with a male model and I definitely promote it to that audience as well. I have some really natural styles that look great on men and people wouldn't even know they're fake. <laughs> so people can find you Deepa Lashes on Instagram, did you say? Yep, and uh, shopdeepa.com is the <laughs> website. And Deepa is D-E-E-P-A. So really, if you just want to try a new eyelash that's going to be very cool, go get them. <laughs> and wear them on your Zoom calls. <laughs> There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build, or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G E A R H A R T L. LAW.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're having a great show this evening with our special guests, Robert Bear and Kevin Bernardos, and our regular special guests, our extra special media maven, Kenya Gibson. So thank you for being here. We're on to our second and final presentation for the evening, and we're here with Lee D'Angelo, who has been on Passage to Profit before with her earlier project, Dig Dates, which was a dating app for dog lovers. But we now know that she's expanded to new animals. And so she's here to talk about that. Welcome back. Hi, all. Thank you. I love talking to you guys, the animal lovers all over the place. Uh, it's great to see you again. I'm Lee D'Angelo, CEO and co-founder of Tabby, the cat person's dating app. The age of the cat has returned and single people are all for it. Yes, this will be packed with puns if everyone's okay with that. <laughs> As you know, Elizabeth, the quick-witted and mysterious have served their cats since the age of Pharaoh. But until recently, the pet industry has completely catered to the canine counterparts. The single cat lady and cat dude personas have now been embraced by millennials. And now pet companies and innovators are purring money into the idea that cat people will spend as much as dog people on their feline companions. While dog owners have natural ways of meeting each other through dog walks and infrastructure for dog outings and dog parks, cat lovers need 
a place to meet. They need more virtual spaces where they can meet each other and importantly, where the cats are most comfortable in their home. Now, Tabby pierces the booming pet industry at a key moment in the feline timeline as sales of vitamins, treats, toys, and grooming aids for cats take off because of COVID-19 and we're focused on our pets here at home. So to generate revenue and value and help with the dating with cats experience, Tabby partners with a variety of cat-related businesses and pet industry leaders and pet technology and building Tabby up as an incredible community of cat lovers looking for love of the humankind. As you know, I started Dig, the dog person's dating app two years ago, and we are now launching the cat version, totally dedicated to cat people. And we will grow it the same way we did with Dig, with cat-focused content and events and making sure cat people feel connected to each other and are able to meet each other in this new way. So if you're looking for a cat lover, the time is meow. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) So how many men do you get on this site? Well, Tabby launches on International Cat Day. So we are launching on August 8th. And right now we are building enthusiasm. We've got two cat dudes who are amazing, who are leading the charge for Tabby. We've got Nathan, the cat lady, and Sterling Davis, who runs a um, spay, neuter, and trap nonprofit out of Atlanta. And those two guys are leading the Tabby charge. That's really great. So you mentioned special events for cats. I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like. You have no idea. The cat world has been growing at this incredible rate that if you're a dog person, you might have missed the entire thing. But take a look at things like CatCon. You will not believe the products and the type of things you can do with your cats at home, innovative ways of introducing cats to each other, making sure that's safe. Um, What's available now in terms of cat treats, we talked earlier about vegan and the growth of um, vegan products um, related to animals, and you've got vegan treats for animals. This is all focused on the cat, what's best for the cat and what's best for the cat owner. And so, yes, from uh, cat cafes where you can meet adoptable cats in, uh, you know, a cafe that's designed for cats to be all around you, to CatCon. There are many different ways now you can interact with your cat outside the home. We are going to be putting a picture on the Passage to Profit Instagram account. Hopefully I, we, not. Hopefully we have not. To, No, we have two cats. And I had the cats when Richard and I met, and he put up with them. But now one of the cats has really attached itself to him. So I took a picture of him and the cat. He was sitting on the sofa. The cat was right behind him. Her head was right here. And it's just adorable. The cat looks so smug. Like, ha, look what I can do. But then our son took it and photoshopped it and made it really hilarious. So that, yeah, we did buy the cats a really big, nice, elaborate cat tree and Richard set it up. It came in this big box and guess what they liked better? (laughs) The box. I love it. Here's what I love listening to you guys. You're talking about how you spend your money, how you spend your time, and you're showing this level of compassion uh, and this ability to love that when you're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with and you're able to kind of shed all of those fears as you're out dating and you're talking about your cats, you feel yourself you're relaxed, right? You feel yourself having these more intentional conversations, more honest conversations, but it's all about the cat, but it's really a way to connect with the people. So I love listening to this and cat people will totally connect with you on the box. I, I'm actually going to give your information to one of my friends. He's one of the one of the DJs on Power 105.1, uh, DJ Sus1. He's a cat guy. And I didn't know he was a cat guy. I, I was on his Instagram and his stories one day and he's got two cats. He had one cat and then he just got like another little kitten like during COVID. And I was like, he just doesn't strike me as the cat guy. Like he's like one of the biggest DJs in hip hop. I wouldn't have made the connection. And yet, cool. You are totally hitting on a point here. Cat guys in particular have felt like they can't show that they love cats. And maybe this isn't the case with the DJ and it just hasn't come up yet. <laughs> cat guys in particular feel like they can't show that they're a cat dude because on general dating apps, they are skipped over. And this is not just a paranoid, you know, crazy cat person feeling. There have been studies that show, especially guys, when they have cats in their profiles, do worse on general dating apps. There is stereotypes. There is this odd connection where people say, I either love dogs or it's nothing, right? I don't want to talk to cat people. And from the cat guy's perspective, they're like, 
okay, I love an animal and this animal loves me. How is that a bad thing? Right. And they feel like they can't have that conversation because people skip over them immediately. And so giving them their own platform, we've heard from more cat guys than you can imagine who are excited about this. Of course, the cat ladies are loving it. And we understand that (laughs) part. And the, you know, this is built around, you know, our company's based on two women, me and my sister. Um, But we brought the cat dudes in. We've just heard this. They need their space. Well, we have two cats. So one is Checkers and Checkers is the one with the medical problems right now. And the other one is Kushi, who was rescued from an animal shelter. They found him in a dumpster. So they rescued Kushi. But we told Kushi we wouldn't talk about him too much on the show because he really doesn't like publicity. Checkers, on the other hand, she'll go for it. All over Instagram. But yeah, she takes really great pictures. So you will be seeing her on the Passage to Profit Instagram. But I think this is great. I think this is amazing because... I do think guys kind of keep it a secret if they like cats. There's no safe place really for them to go and say, I love cats, right? But but you've made the safe place now. Yeah, I mean, well, I had a cat growing up and I liked it. And then when I got to college and went away, I became allergic to it. So a lot of guys have allergies to cats and it's not so much they dislike the animals and it still bothers me from time to time. If I touch the cat the wrong way and I touch my eye or something, I, I start to have an... I completely hear you. And I promise when I was little, I went to a sleepover, pet the cat, touched my eye and it looked like, you know, one of the Mike Tyson stories from earlier, right? <laughs> but a lot of people use allergies as an excuse and stop talking to cat guys and say that it's an allergy or say that they're, you know, just a dog person, or it's not very masculine that you have cats. They hear it constantly. And now I'm not saying I don't believe you about the allergy. Again, I have a reaction to cats too, but it's an animal and it's loving and it's showing your capacity to love and it shouldn't give off this negative vibe. Now, we can go out and try to change the world about that. And we, and we will, that'll be step two, right? That that's our long-term plan. But for right now, like you said, we just want to have this safe space. Uh, We want cat people to be able to share cat videos and photos. And we're already hearing from people who have four, five, nine cats who, so we're going to have the most cat person of cat people, but we are just excited that people to connect, uh, share videos. And uh, we also have something we call the cat tree within the app itself. And so you're going to be able to talk to other cat lovers, even if you're not looking to date them. So all the people on Tabby are going to be able to interact in kind of the social feed. And then you've got the section for dating as well. That's cool. I think it'd be hard for me to break up with somebody because they had a cat. You know what I mean? Like it seems like a not very empathetic thing to do. I couldn't agree with you more. I would like to take a look at this. Someday we may get another cat. But you said that you have new ways. There are new ways for introducing cats into a household that already has cats. And for people dating, that's going to be important because dogs, sometimes they don't like each other. Most of the time, dogs are pretty easy. But cats, like a lot of the times, like Checkers, she hates other cats hates them, loves people, hates other cats. Is there a way to introduce a cat? When we built Dig, the dog person's dating app, and Tabby, from the beginning, we said, what's most important for the animals to make sure that they get along and that it's a safe experience for them? And what's most important for humans? Because for humans, there's a huge excuse. We've got about a third of people on dating apps across the board and never step to actually go meet someone to actually get off the app and go meet them in person. Now, of course, this is pre-COVID time, so we're not encouraging you to go out right now. But what can we do to discourage you from using those excuses? And so one of the things we did from the very beginning was bring on vets and trainers throughout the app and throughout the different experiences that we give you. We've got tips and tricks from vets and trainers on how to introduce the animals in different ways. Maybe you have a dog and cat. My dog doesn't always get along with other dogs and definitely doesn't get along with cats. And so what do I personally need to know before starting that relationship? You need to understand your own animal first more than anything. So you can have those open conversations with the person you're going to meet. And you also have to decide, is that a deal breaker for you, right? If it is not going to work, if my dog does not get along with other dogs, if my cat does not get along with other cats, what can I do? And is it a deal breaker? Should I know this upfront when I'm going out there and dating? That's a huge piece of it. So that's what we encourage is, is that conversation, the tips and tricks from vets and trainers, really understanding your animal first and then being able to make those decisions. 
thanks a lot, Lee, for joining us. How can people find the Tabby and the Doggy applications that you're CEOing these days? <laughs> well, Tabby, you'll be able to go to tabbydates.com and use it right on your computer right there or download uh, the iPhone or Android app. And it's Tabby, the cat person's dating app. And for dog lovers, there's Dig, the dog person's dating app. And that is available right now on iPhone and Android. We'll be right back after this commercial break. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. If somebody is just now tuning in, the podcast comes out tomorrow. you got to listen to this. I mean, what a range of characters we had. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I want to say thank you to our producer, Noah Fleischman at iHeart. iHeart has been fantastic to us through quarantine. They've been taking these Zoom recordings and Noah has been cleaning them up. Noah is a genius and we've been able to keep running our show on the radio on iHeart Media on WR710 all summer long. So thank you, iHeart. To recap, we had Richard Gearhart from Gearhart Law, gearhartlaw.com. We had Kevin Bernardos, the circus ringmaster, and his website is bernardoscircus.com. What great entertainment for people that are locked in their house to watch a live streaming circus. Very cool. Go on there, buy tickets. He's doing them once a month or so. And then we had Robert Bear with an amazing podcast, Invention Stories for Inventors. You get to go on his podcast and have him interview you and just really tell your story. Very popular, very loved podcast. Then we had Deepa Radhakrishnan with her cruelty-free eyelashes. So she's the first one to make eyelashes from a synthetic material. Very caring. And she's also got some other social justice projects that she's working on. And you can find her at shopdeepa, D-E-E-P-A.com or at Deepa Lashes on Instagram. It's all in the eyes. <laughs> and then we had back for the second time, Lee Isaacson, but now she's Lee D'Angelo. And she has dating apps for people that are animal lovers that have animals. I'm not going to say own animals, but that live with animals that have animals that own them maybe. And and (laughs) we can't wait to our next project either, because I mean, once you get past dogs and cats, what are the possibilities, right? Alligators? Reptile lovers? (laughs) (laughs) She has two websites. She has digdates.com. That's for the doggy lovers and tabbydates.com for the kitty lovers. And it's an app on the phone. So you can find other people that love the same kind of animals that you do. You can find all sorts of information on how to do stuff with the animals, like introduce them to each other and eventually, hopefully events again. Yeah, I really like the part about introducing the animals together because I think that's a hard thing and really important. We also had our media maven with us, Kenya Gibson. So that's Kenya Gibson with a P. And you can reach her at Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. And she's an expert on Mike Tyson, too. (laughs) If you have marketing needs and you're interested in radio, which is really getting a lot of playtime right now, or podcasts or anything, shoot Kenya an email. Absolutely. And we use iHeart services at Gearheart Law, digital marketing, web services, all sorts of stuff. And it's made a huge difference. So people think of iHeart as a media company, putting on concerts and sponsoring artists, musical entertainment, the whole ball of wax. There's a whole nother part of iHeart that helps businesses grow. And Gearheart Law has been using this now for about two years, made a real difference. Just want to do a shout out for iHeart and their fantastic team. And listeners, don't forget to join us next week for another rousing time. This was really fun. You know, if you want to come on the show, start thinking about what your invention will be and just come and join us. We're doing it all through Zoom so you can be anywhere in the world. Yep. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart on iHeartRadio, WOR710, the voice of New York. 